Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Michelle Mission, two men, one podcast, every black film ever made. My name is Len, a.k.a. the Bat Tribble. And as always, I am joined by my co-host. Hey, this is Vincent Williams. It's also Wednesdays 8 to 10 on G-Town Radio. How y'all doing? Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to go back to 1963 to review a film that was not only starring a young Ossie Davis, but it is uh, adapted from an original play that was written by Ossie Davis and performed on Broadway. That's right. And this film stars the entire original Broadway cast. This film is 1963's Pearly Victorious, Vincent's selection for this week's uh, stop on the Michelle mission. But before we get into that, as always, we take a moment to read our listener email and Twitter feedback. We appreciate all of you. That, Absolutely. That Absolutely. Email us at the mission, Michelle, excuse me, at Michelle mission at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter or uh, Facebook at the Michelle mission, such as our weekly follower, Robert Monroe. Robert Jr., Monroe. Who, coming off of our review of Beyond the Lights, uh, said that he, too, cannot wait to check out Nate Parker's Birth of a Nation. Yeah. When it opens up uh, next, next uh, in October. Uh, yes, yes, yes. A lot of thoughtful correspondence from Robert. Yeah, we always appreciate that. Yeah, appreciate uh, how much he thinks about what we say and, and responds and, you know. Yeah, he's always he's he's always uh, a welcome discourse. Absolutely, with Robert Monroe Jr. We also were hit up uh, in our email. We got an email from Terry Jingles. Now I said last week that his name may be Terry Gingles, but right, right, right. right. In his email, he says. Thanks for the shout out in the last episode that caught me off guard and you pronounced my last name correct the first time. It's Jingles <laughs> like Jingle Bells. Okay. So, All right. So Terry Jingles. Terry Jingles. There you go. I like Apologize that. for mispronouncing your name. We'll never get it wrong again. Never get it wrong again. All right. So Terry Jingles hisses up and says that you guys do an extremely dope job on your show. Oh, thanks. It's really good to hear some brothers dissecting and discussing film on a highly intelligent level. As a filmmaker, I listen to a lot of podcasts about film and grow tired of waiting to hear a review of a black film on these predominantly white podcasts. Your show is much needed. So keep it up. Thank you. Thank you. And I know how you feel. I do know. I, how I, I feel, know how so. you feel because I feel the same way. I do know how he feels. It's it, it, and it sometimes it's very galling, um, and and uh, um, almost a little insulting on the weeks when you know probably the biggest film opening is the black film, right? Such as when Straight Out of Compton comes out, right, or something like that, and you listen to your favorite movie review podcast, and this week. We're going to review 
um, uh, Mama's Little Slipper, a little known independent film oh, that went straight to to uh, streaming video on Vimeo. You know, it's even worse when you when you actually hear a review of a black film and the, the reviewer goes to a part of the film that either you don't think is significant or is the part that is blatantly the only part that that reviewer can kind of um, appreciate, appreciate or, or understand. Yeah. Like, I actually, you know, I'm reading all the reviews of The Get Down, and I almost threw my my um iPad across the room. I read a review. Um, there's there's a part, you know, those of you who haven't seen it, but, but in one of the episodes, the main character meets the white daughter. Mm-hmm. Of of a very important person, and she mentioned something about punk rock, and the reviewer says, "I wish there was more about punk rock." Like punk rock was going on, and I was like, "Did you really just watch this whole thing about hip hop and dance music mm-hmm. and the gay subculture and and graffiti and everything going on, and you want to hear more about punk rock in it?" You're waiting for the Ramones, right? 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 So, I hear you, Terry. We we hear you. We certainly do. We can guarantee that you'll hear a, a, a podcast about a black movie every week here on the Michelle Mission. Amen. Uh, he also says, um, th- uh, "I'm taking. I'm going a little bit out of order, Terry. If you're listening to your following along with your email, uh, <laughs> I'm going to your last paragraph uh, next, and for reasons which will quickly be explained. Uh, by the way, I'm a huge fan of the James Bond series, <laughs> and." <laughs> I thought that might cause a ruckus. If I'm totally honest, it had more misses than hits collectively. Mm-hmm. Honor Majesty's Secret Service is so underrated and, in fact, my favorite. Followed okay. by Thunderball, Dr. No, Casino Royale, and Goldfinger. And yes, Roger Moore was horrible. Okay. Wow. <laughs> I I agree with I agree with all of that. Yeah, yeah. I I I I gotta agree too. I don't know if I agree with. I don't know whether or not he's listing those movies in order. In order of which one he likes the right. best. So but, I don't but know you if know. I agree with that. But yeah, yeah. Real heavy. Uh, Sean Connery though. I mean, obviously. Yes. However, you know, you notice who snuck up on there. Um. Yeah, your boy, uh, Daniel Craig. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Uh, uh, and one last thing from Terry. Terry was a, he, he, he was he's a loquacious fellow. Okay, Terry. All right, I like that. On one uh, one last thing, a film suggestion to review. Okay, Mississippi Damned, which is currently streaming on Netflix. It's a very emotional ride for sure. Yeah. And in my opinion, Tessa Thompson smoked it. Okay. It's an interesting movie. Interesting movie. And uh, it's, uh, it's interesting that you say that. We've got a, a few announcements that we want to uh, kind of like put out there um, today. And that leads me into one of our announcements. We have one of the, the great things um, in hearing back from all of the people that have been listening to the show and following the show is that people have been letting us know like, hey, I can't wait for you to review this movie. Right, or, right, or, right. All of that. So in appreciation for that, we are taking the month of Thanksgiving, which would be November. Yes. And in showing thanks, all of our um, movie reviews will be listener um, recommendations. Yeah, requests. Listener and requests. Absolutely. Most certainly. So uh, we will put Mississippi Dam down there. We're going to go in order, though. We're going to go right, back right. to the very beginning where right, we right, started. When people have been requested. Now, are you going to do like you do with me? Are you going to put a moratorium on Spike Lee movies? 
I may. Okay. I may. I, I, but to be honest, I think uh, one of the movies that got suggested was Clockers. Which right, we, right, with 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 Dorian Missick, but right, you know, which we we have reviewed. We right, right. I, I for some reason I don't think we should do rev- Spike Lee again till January. Okay, so so we we will do a moratorium on Spike. Yeah, right. So okay. if you if you requested a Spike Lee movie, just know we won't be doing that only because we've done so many. Right, right. Um, but anyone else, um, we're going to go through them. We're going to call through the list, and we're going to come up with a good. I think there's four weeks in. in there, there are four weeks now. There you go. And I thought maybe there, there was going to be an extra episode. In well, we're going to try and sneak an extra episode, actually, yeah. because Vince, um, unbeknownst to me, had a very special movie that he wanted to do for November. Because it's my birthday in November, and yes. I want to spend my birthday having fun. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we're going to have a very special uh, show that we're going to do in November for uh, Vince's birthday. Do you want to let them know what we're going to be recording? Oh. Oh, we're doing Tyler Perry's Temptation, a film by Tyler Perry. <laughs> yes. The funny thing is, it, it, I was thinking about doing either that or, um, or, um, oh my God, I just forgot the name of the Robert Townsend film where Ving Rhames is is the um oh wow i can't think of the name of the movie holiday heart holiday heart yeah 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 how much do i love holiday heart a lot of people love that this is a, this is a cute movie but 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 no i think i think i'm gonna go i'm gonna go big i'm gonna go big go big or go home go dog. big so so all right so viewer requests and you know god willing the crick don't rise we'll have a, a birthday celebration so you may have to actually be sitting down uh, in November for five, maybe we'll see. Like it, hey, show, God willing, the creek don't rise. There you go. Now I'm going to go back here to the second paragraph of okay. Terry's email. All right, because um, he he gave us a lot to chew on. All right, he said, "Hey, if you guys decide to review TV shows, oh boy, uh, quotations. This is a Black Renaissance era when it comes to us and TV, dude. And want to review Queen Sugar? Oh my God." You should look up one of my best friends, Omar Dorsey, because he's on the show. Hollywood. <laughs> he's Hollywood. He is. Dorian mentioned him in your interview with him. It would be a great convo, and I'm sure if he can, he'd love to do it. Um, Yo, <laughs> did you see it? I'm going to put you on the spot. Did you watch the first episode yet? I have not watched it yet. Oh, my God. It's so good. I've heard. That. <laughs> I've heard. I've like, heard. like, <gasps> good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's what I've heard. Now, it, the Queen Sugar, which is on the own, now. it's on own. It's uh, Ava DuVernay's yes series, and um, there's a different director for every for every episode. episode. It's a different female director for yes. every episode. But. Yes. Now, is, do we know how many episodes that's going to be? I don't know how many episodes are are in the first season. You know, it's been renewed for yeah. second season already, so I don't know how many episodes. But I think. Well, the first one came on, and then the second episode is this Wednesday. Right. It comes on Wednesdays. Yeah. Right, yeah. Um, it, well, first of all, this may be about the third time Queen Sugar has come up on our show. It's the second time Omar Darcy has come up on our show. He, he's really good, too. Yeah. Like, like it's a really interesting character. Like, it's a character you don't normally... Well. I'm sorry. I'm about to go. On, I'm about to go on a whole queen. Shit. I see you. Well, because the, he he plays he plays one of the characters. You, you know, you don't want to say boy. It always feels weird to call like grown ups boyfriends and girlfriends. True. But it it's it's her 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 boyfriend basically. Right. And it's this really 
kind of it's like she's almost the matriarch of the family mm-hmm. but she's sexualized okay and i think he's supposed to be younger than her and it's all it's it's like a really really interesting storyline that you don't see that often if mm-hmm. at all for you you know a woman over the age of basically 35 but um yeah 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 you, you know let me just add my my voice to the course good good work all around and you know terry certainly passed that on yeah it's got a, a great cast you've got uh rutina wells wesley dawn lynn gardner kofi Sirbo, tina leaford oh and, and and let me just say this about rutina wells she she is she is breathtaking Rutina Wesley, yeah. I'm sorry, Rutina Wesley. Like, I only saw a couple of episodes. What was that stupid? I almost cursed, but Lynn's done with me to curse. You know, we're, we're on radio now. Yes, that's the, 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 that's mo- well, you know the modifier after stupid I was about to say with the yeah. vampires in, on HBO. Oh, uh, True Blood. It's, I don't know how they lit her on True Blood, but she's amazing in this. Yeah. Anyway, I can't even gush enough about Queen Sugar. So good. But I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Lynn. <laughs> Pump your brakes, dog. I know, but you know. <laughs> I'm real que- like I'm real Queen Sugar right now, and I'm real Atlanta, and I'm real the get down right now. I see. I see. Now, from what I understand, at least looking here on um, Wikipedia, it looks like it, Queen Sugar is only scheduled to have five episodes. Really? Well, that can't be right. Well, I mean. Oh, and shout out to Greenleaf. I like Greenleaf a lot too. Greenleaf, you know, isn't as good as Queen Sugar, but I mean, goddamn, I don't think nothing is as good as Queen Sugar at this point. But go but, ahead. Um, it, it, I mean, five, six. Look, sometimes look at the British. The British kind of like no, set this, no, you know, with six episodes. Stranger Things was what eight episodes? Eight episodes, yeah. And that murdered it. Yeah, you know. So and that has a black kid in it. And if and if you're talking about five episodes, even if they're an a, a full hour long, even and, if they're only forty two minutes, long. and it, and it's like a little movie, exactly. Like Shots it was like, like a, a little movie. movie. You're talking about a, a nice budget, on yeah, these yeah. So yeah. I'm not mad at it being five episodes long. Um, but speaking to Terry's uh, um, email that he sent yes. us in regards to Queen Sugar, me and Vince, we had a very interesting text messaging. Uh, I think we spent all of Sunday. I know. Text messaging. I know. You you would think. Apparently we don't spend enough time talking. I know. <laughs> I know. Just randomly, we'll get into a text thing. Yeah, yeah. So we actually were texting about uh, something similar to that. So what we have actually come up with, it probably, to be fair, I uh, know you was going to be announcing. That. I thought we was going to get, but go ahead. Well, because I'm thinking. I mean, we're here now. We're here now. Might as well. <laughs> and and I think it's fair to say this probably won't debut till december you know what i mean it'll oh, be oh. like a nice little christmas okay for people because we're going to be doing a new monthly show monthly monthly. so you know right 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 um that will revolve around tv and yes. this black renaissance in television yeah as, yeah uh, yeah Dear terry's call it it's going to be the michelle mission presents the binge lounge which, yeah, because Issa Rae's joint comes on in October, I think. I think right. Awkward comes on. And yeah. then, obviously, Luke Cage, Luke Cage is coming on. And then you've got Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. Got well, I just said, yeah, Atlanta. Yeah, you've got Atlanta. That's been on for a minute. Uh, so you've got, like, uh, a lot of stuff happening. Yeah. 
Wow. <laughs> this is insane. This is insane. This is the first time ever that this has happened, ladies and gentlemen. We have a very, very special guest in the building. Well, you stopped by. I was about to say, you're here. <laughs> you're here. Special is a, uh, uh, it's a stretch. Yo, what's up, ladies and gentlemen? Introduce yourself to the people of the show mission. What's going on, everybody? This is our son, the voice of reason, aka Super Tribble, the Black Tribbles. Um, I just got off the work, off of work, and just needed to be around some grown folks. So I figured, two of the, the grownest Negroes I know, <laughs> <laughs> go hang out with these cats for a couple minutes. Yo, what's up, man? Yeah, a little dropping, man. Just chilling. That's dope. Just chilling on the chilling, chilling. Well, we appreciate it. I don't think I've ever noticed that you look like Holmes. Of Watson, in Watson and Holmes. And Holmes. The comic book Watson and is, Holmes. Is he modeled after you? No, but when I first saw it, I was Because like, that's in Stephen really? Harris, right? No. This one, this was actually Rick Leonardi. Okay, all right. Uh, Steve actually ha- has done uh, yeah, Watson and Holmes. Yeah, yeah. And um, has, I'm a big, a huge fan of Steve's to begin with. Me too. And then he did a piece, a Black Tribbles piece for us. Yeah. That was amazing. Yeah, he did right. all of us, all of the black tribbles as and like superheroes. He just did a pencil sketch. Oh no, I saw of a pic- and I was like, oh my god, pencil I'm, sketch I'm, of you. Yeah, right? I'm a fan of his too. Like I'm a fan, but like I'm I'm giggly that I'm like a degree of separation away from him. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's he's very very dope. But yeah. no, but when Watson and Holmes came out, I saw the book and was like, really? That's that was totally my look in 2011. Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? yeah. I, lo- I had a scarf like this, had a great scarf like this that I yep. got and lost. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> had a beautiful green Story corduroy really hat the that way I got I thought in Germany would, all right. and lost. Oh, yeah. So, don't loan me your stuff. There you go. All right. I didn't mean to interrupt. I just wanted to. You know, no, no, see, no, you, no. See what no. the cool kids were doing tonight. No, no. I don't know. But <laughs> we're, re- say, we're we're recording a podcast. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I know that. What movie are we? Uh, what movie are we doing? We're doing Pearly Victorious. I don't know that. One. 1963. Did you uh, ever see the play Pearly? I don't think that I have. Oh, <laughs> you're, you're missing out. You should you should hunt down the, the musical. Oh. Sherman Helmsley, Melba Moore. Word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, my. Is that Cleavon Little that plays Pearly? In the original stage production? Yes. In, in the, yeah, yeah, Cleavon Little. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yes, sir. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah, and a, and a play, a, uh, a musical adapted from a play written by Ozzy Davis. Ozzy Davis. Really? Right, so it is well, all Ozzy Davis. Well, damn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna just shut up and, and, and listen. Like I said, I wanted to be around. <laughs> well, we didn't even get into the. Right, right, right. We're still right. doing mail we're still doing, and, and still feedback doing email and, and stuff. Um, you know, so so anyway, all right. Where were we? Oh, we were announcing. We were announcing that in December we're going to be debuting a new monthly show called the Binge Lounge, um, which is basically going to be the Michelle Missions TV show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be essentially two men, one TV show. One season, um, and then we'll also get into some right, right. Some talk about some of the other shows that are out there, right? And some very special episodes. Vince has this whole diatribe that he wants to go in on on some very special episode of what's the show you wanted to? Oh, <laughs> right, sexual assault special episodes. Yes, special right, assault right, episodes. Right. It's like you know, Dudley got molested at the bike shop. Mm-hmm. Uh, Freddie almost got raped by. The last dragon. Yeah, yeah, you did. know, yeah, it's, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a little touchy. Um, JJ thought he had VD. 
I do remember that. Yeah. Who did? Uh, JJ. Because oh, remember, it had a little blue screen at the front that said, this is a, an episode that deals with mature topics. Yeah. Yeah. And that girl said, I got VD, JJ, and you the one that gave it to me. Yeah. So we're going to talk about a, a lot of like, you know, some, some of your more popular, uh, uh, famous, very special episodes and TV tropes regarding black television or black actors and stuff like that, as well as focusing on one season of uh, one particular show. So right, we'll, right, we'll right. be able to offer you insight on s- shows such as Netflix, The Get Down, Queen Sugar, Greenleaf, uh, Atlanta, Issa Rae's new show. Oh, Atlanta. Um, good stuff. Uh, yeah, Atlanta's pretty it's very Atlanta's good. Atlanta's very good. Uh, and, um, and also trying maybe when the you know the opportunity presents itself dip back into the vaults a little bit sure and maybe review like a, a section of shows of some past shows i would love to like just really sit down and talk about um how groundbreaking and then how uh what happened somewhere during the middle of the historic run of the jeffersons okay myself um i want to talk about um baby i'm back with damon wilson and Lynette McKee. You don't want to talk about the, how about that? You don't want to talk about the new odd couples with Demond Wilson, Wilson and Ron and- Glass. <laughs> nice pull, showing our nice age. Pull. Showing our age. That's what we're doing. It's the odd couple, but now they're black. It <laughs> <laughs> was a horrible show. It was such a horrible show. Um, Wait, how old was that show? How long was it? How old, how that's old like eighty one. Yeah, that's very eighty two. Very Man, early. Yeah. yeah. And I think it, it it went off in the early 80s. Right. So, I mean, or or what was the name of the show where T.C. Carter played the genie ooh. to the white dude? Oh, wow. And, and then he was calling the white dude master. And then I think like it came on and somebody realized that this wasn't a good look. And then it got canceled like halfway through the first episode. Yeah, <laughs> I remember <laughs> that. Like somebody raised their hand and said... I don't know if the black guy should be calling the white guy master. It was just it was uh, just our luck. Just our luck. Wow. How many how many episodes did just our luck have? That's a very good question. That's a, it was actually uh, 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 T K Carter. Yes. Uh, I said T. Did I say T C? Yeah, T K Carter. T K Carter. Um, it it two it lasted thirteen episodes. There is no way. There is no way there are thirteen episodes of just. It doesn't mean it doesn't mean thirteen episodes. Aired. aired okay oh, i was about to say it means they filmed 13 episodes. and what year was that 83 i was about to say i was like a little kid i was like there's no way this is a good idea so, so now for all for for most of our audience which is a lot younger than me and me and vince and randy yep. uh just our luck is an american sitcom that aired on abc uh, it, it, it was considered a modern, a modernized version of I, I Dream, Dream of Genie, right? With the star Richard Gilliland as a mild-mannered TV weatherman and T.K. Carter as a hip, fun-loving, three thousand-year-old genie who is freed by by Gilliland after being imprisoned in this bottle for over two centuries. Um, the N- NAACP. <laughs> 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 the NAACP. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Just our luck was created by ABC uh, and aired on ABC to, to compete against the A team on NBC, but low. 
but earned low ratings uh, for much of its run. It was poorly received by critics and was the subject of controversy when the NAACP charged the show with promoting negative stereotypes of African Americans. The NAACP originally campaigned to have the show removed, but later settled for a degree of creative control in its development. Um, thus, the uh, which led to the hiring of black staff writers and the addition of actor Leonard Simon to the cast. Uh, the show was uh, canceled after three months. <laughs> you know, I love stuff that has to do with like people of color or, or like minorities where, you know, nobody, nobody was, was in the involved, room, but white nobody, people. not a soul, not a damn soul. Like the people bringing the bagels and the coffee they were white. Like everybody was white. Yeah, everybody. It was, it was all white. And he played a genie named Shabu. Yes. A genie named Shabu. Shabu. Dear God. <laughs> <laughs> I have a theory about that, about uh, uh, the second Transformers movie. Okay. Uh, <laughs> the one with the two robots named Skids and Mudflat. Oh, yes. yes. Had yeah, gold yeah. Teeth and couldn't read. Yes. I have this theory that they filmed all of their scenes without Tyrese anywhere near it. Right, right, right. And they filmed his scenes like completely, and then they just made the movie. And then he was like, wait, what? Wait, what? Yeah. Huh? Oh, yeah. Oh, how, yeah. How did this happen? And there was just nobody else Again, of color involved. You, you got to have somebody else in the room. Or at least bounce it off of somebody, because yeah, well. yeah, find a black friend and be like, hey. So I'm thinking, black friend, woman friend, Asian, like whatever it is that your blonde spot is, you need to bounce it off somebody. Did Just our luck. blonde spot. <laughs> he meant blind. It, blind. It, it, yeah. it's, that was, that was amazingly Freudian. Yeah. Right it, no, no. He, he said yeah. blind. It's yeah, the, whatever. It's the oh, yeah, whatever your okay. blind spot. Right. It's the, it's the Baltimore. Uh, Just our luck was T.K. Carter's first starring role. He was very enthusiastic about the series and at a, at a press conference told journalists that he wanted Shabu to be seen in regards to younger viewers as, and I quote, the first black superhero. He later objected oh to comparisons to, uh, to I Dream of Genie and responded to critics saying, uh, uh, responded to critics charges of racial stereotyping. Shabu doesn't have a master because he doesn't believe in master. I made it clear that I won't do that job routine acting like some cat in a black El Dorado drinking a Kool-Aid daiquiri with a hat as big as a house. When Shabu pops out of the bottle, he's wearing a Bill Blast raw silk suit. You're not going to see me wearing a lot of jewelry and stuff. Yeah, so I, I don't know if Just Our Luck will make it its way to the binge lounge. Um, <laughs> I have to say, we've made it sound much more interesting. We, we have. We have. We may have to do a screening of, yeah, of, of the, Just Our Luck. Just yeah, Our Luck. Yeah, yeah. Can you abandon it? All right. Come on. We, All right. We, we haven't even got to review. I was about to say, we're, what, 20 minutes 20 in? 20 minutes in. We haven't even. We're still 25 in, minutes in, yeah. We're still on emails. Trying, All right. You at least right. got to find the pilot to Just All Our right. Luck. All right, uh, I, we we got more feedback. All right, what else we got? We got more. We got feedback from Twitter. Uh, that I gotta read, and then we're gonna get to. Believe me, ladies and gentlemen, this we we actually do have a show, to, a movie to review. Um, Tom Laporta, the thirty ninth triple, hit us up. Okay. In regards to um, our, a lot of people were touched by our James Bond James Bond conversation at the beginning of the, right, right. Well, you know, I know it's James Bond Beyond people. the Lights. You know, he said, uh, "Sorry, guys." Uh, Living Dangerously is the worst James Brown movie ever. It's awful and actively Bond. racist. James Bond. James Bond movie ever. It's awful awful and actively racist. Worse 
than Moonraker, worse than Quantum of Solace, and Roger Moore is in For Your Eyes Only, which is pretty great. Ooh, great is real strong. Yeah, that's you're really stretching it there, Tom. You're really stretching it there, dog. But uh, what I call live and let die actively racist. It probably is because it because you got to remember when it came out. It came out like like they always are, like right at the. Cusp it was on of the, the cusp of, of the black exploitation. Yeah, like he so was they trying were, to. They're playing off of that, so I can see that in in those filmmakers' hands. I can see them getting it wrong. Some of the nuances. I just think Jeffrey Holder is so magnetic, and he, that he kind of transcends it. He well, he is, especially considering it is a James Bond movie. So he's you know his over the topness, right? Like I feel like James Bond is almost like a supporting actor. Well, yeah, in well, Live and Let Die, well, like certainly. like you know, he 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 looks like he's in the wrong movie. Right, right. Anytime you got a black dude barefoot with some drums and some paint on and a top hat i'm not going to push too hard against i think that's racist right like i'm not really going to plant my flag there i hear you but you know now we got i've heard that argument before but you know you know did you see um live and let die oh yeah i've seen live and let die lots of times actively racist um passively racist passively the idea was probably to you know incorporate some Vodun uh, elements into it. Yeah. And maybe they didn't get all the facts. Right. And they by like, all of the facts. They were like, well, let's, what's, what, uh, what, what do we remember as voodoo? Uh, uh, what's, some what's snakes the, and some, some drums. Snakes, some and... drums, a uh, guy in a top hat, uh, go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah I, don't know, I don't know if anybody did the research. No. But I, I, but I don't know that anybody was doing the research at the time. No. I don't go back and get mad at old racism. Old racism wasn't like if you're racist now with Google in your hand at, at all times, you know what? I got a problem. If you were racist in 1964, yeah, it was bad, but you if you were actively racist, obviously. But if you were a guy in Hollywood that was like, "What do I know about black people?" Hmm, I'm going to make a TV show and hope it works. I don't know how mad I'm gonna be at you. See, I see, I see, I I hear what you're saying, but I disagree uh, because I think that no matter where you are in life, basic human rights is just basic human rights. That should be um, doesn't have any color to it. And the while nobody may be calling it on you, calling checking you for it to your face white privilege was large and in charge oh without question in right. the 60s you know and black people existed yeah like you could have asked somebody but, but here's the thing here's the thing um white privilege existed but white people didn't know what white privilege was only because and, and, only and, because and they I'm, weren't listening to us it, it's not even that they it's not even that they weren't listening um because it, to be totally honest a lot of them aren't listening now but the idea was, you know, it was very much a th- a thing of its time, and so again, it was it wasn't it wasn't right. It had never been right, but it wasn't challenged to the degree that it is now. I I, I don't I, I don't think that it was because a lot of the, a lot of the people, a lot of the brothers back then were were you know 
were just trying to get by. It was like, you know what? I, I, I understand that this is a terrible thing, but I got to feed my kids sort of stuff. No, so so everybody right, in Live and right. Let Die, and it was easy to all ignore. them dudes were like, you know what, you know, whatever, I got to feed my kids sort of thing. I don't want to go too far down that. Uh, that could be a whole nother right. Michelle mission. Plus, now I think I got to go watch Live and Let Die again. Yeah. Right. So, no, you so, don't. Yeah, so um, his name was in there, right? Uh, the, you already said his name. Jeffrey, Jeffrey Holder. Holder. Jeffrey Holder. Yeah. Um, we also got, believe it or not, some people actually listened to the review of Beyond the Lights. Right, 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 right. We reviewed the movie. Yeah. We got some feedback. Um, uh, a series of very nice emails from A Black Life at Bree Bree Joy on Twitter, who said that this was a great discussion, but as an age peer of the character Noni, okay. I disagree regarding her, her hair. Okay. Our generation is the natural hair generation. Going natural as extension of self isn't for everyone, but there are myriad, uh, myriad examples a la uh, Solange Knowles, uh, Beyonce's sister. Good points, however, on the legitimacy of black paranoia uh, slash skepticism. Okay, very good. Thank so, you. Yeah, we we appreciate that, and thank you for thank mm. you for listening, as well as I don't know if you saw this. Real um, quick, I don't want to lose this. If, if if Solange wrote a great essay this week, and everybody needs to read about Solange knows Solange knows about black women in white spaces. So I just wanted to put a pin in that. Later. Where where is that? Essay? It is on her website. Okay, Saint Saint. Heron or Saint Heron, I don't know how to pronounce it. Saint Heron, right. Saint Heron dot com, but but just look up Solange, um, black women in in white spaces. Very smart, very smart, very insightful essay. But go ahead. She has proven herself. I I find myself, um, at least interested in her. Thinking. I love Solange. I I find myself more and more interested in yeah. her singing. Yeah, I love Solange in, in, in her thinking. I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know whether or not she is trying to continue the music thing or anything like that. She's making music. She just had an album. Like she's making an album now. I'm a fan. You better <laughs> like Shalon. She might kick your butt. See now, see that you didn't have to go there. That was uncalled for. Again, I, we were. She can blow. I'm actually yeah. a fan of hers too. Yeah, we're we're I, we're already drifting. But I did want like she mentioned her name. I thought you know, and he's out. All right, that's what Super Trouble does. That's what Super Trouble comes in does. and saves a segment, and then he bounces. Peace. All right. Um, but speaking of Beyond the Lights, we actually were heard on by from someone who said that they appreciated the conversation. Yes. Even the perspectives that I disagree with. Okay. And that someone was Gina Prince Bythewood. How about that? The director of Beyond the Lights. Beyond the Lights. Well, thank you. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Yes. And, very much and so. responding. And, and and I really thank you because it's very nice to hear from a director uh, appreciating uh, a review that we have done where I wasn't the one. <laughs> so I, I really thank you. I really, really, Gina, you are like now my best friend. Um, um, but that's really that's really dope. That, that was really. Dope. Yeah, that is nice. It is. It is dope to hear from artist. Yeah. And, yeah, and that, that, that can appreciate, you know. That we, you know, just like Dorian said, that we are not just saying we don't like anything because, hey, you know, it doesn't smell right. Due diligence. Yeah, I appreciate you know, that. So thank you. I really do. Um, okay, we got one last announcement, then we're going to get to the review. Okay. Uh, we heard from uh, Tom LaPorta. He actually has a a podcast that he does. Um, 
that is called Don't Touch My Coffin. And he let us know that said, um, because we can no longer go a week without mentioning it, I recently have come into possession of a copy of Abby, the oh, Black Exorcist. Did he really? Yes, he does. Did anyone else come into a... <laughs> well, he says, ask me no questions about where, and I'll tell you no lies. I hear you. Uh, it looks atrocious on an audio video level, but it is fascinating. Um, and, and we do appreciate that, uh, Tom. And big shout out to you, you and your podcast, Don't Touch My Coffin. Uh, we have an announcement to make. We do? We do. The Michelle Mission also has, through legal um legal t- uh ways has uh procured a copy of Abby the Black Exorcist. We have indeed. And what are we going to do with that copy? Well, here's what we're going to do. Now October is coming and October as you all know is the time is the time of Halloween and ooh, things that go bump in the night. And we're going to be doing a, a number of shows in October um in combination with uh, another pod, great podcast out of, out of Philadelphia, the Graveyard Shift Sisters, we're going to be doing reviews of Ganja and Ness mm-hmm. and Death by Temptation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then we're going to do one other very special show in in October with another podcast, uh, Cinemosity. Okay. Uh, we're going to do a review of a horror film, a black horror film that's yet to be uh, determined. Um, we're going to be reviewing that. But we are also going to be doing two things just for you, ladies and gentlemen. We are going to review the movie Abby, the Black Exorcist. Yes. We are going to do that. We're going to invite uh, the the crew of Don't Touch My Coffin to come down and be a part of that review. Okay. Because that review and screening screening of abby the screening of abby the black exorcist will be taking place at on friday october 28th at amalgam comics and coffee house right here in philadelphia so we will be taping our podcast yes live we will be doing a live show mission friday october 28th at 8:30 p.m. At Amalgam Comics and Coffee, 2578 Frankfurt Avenue here in Philadelphia. Everybody knows Amalgam Comics because it is the only comic book store and coffee house, but it's the only comic book store here on the East Coast that is owned by a black uh, woman. Uh, Ariel Johnson, the Amalgam Tribble in the Tribble Nation, um, has very, very graciously... um, allowed us to screen this what the f movie in her words uh, <laughs> at amalgam's comics they have a huge screen that we're going to have it uh on we're going to have some as you know if you've ever been to amalgam comics they are known for their original pastries yeah um so you can uh they're going to create an original pastry i don't know exactly what but she says they're going to make make a Abbey centric pastry Very nice. for the night. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have more details coming um, in the weeks ahead, but we really, and it's absolutely 100% free. Yeah. But seats are 
limited. Seats are limited. So you've got to let us Seats know. Seats are limited. You've got to let us know if you want to come down and be a part of the free screening and recording. Our first live recording. Our first, our first live show. Yeah. Our first live yeah, show yeah. with Michelle Mission. It's absolutely free, but we just need you to, to hit us up. So, and it's very easy. Just hit us up on Twitter. Uh, hashtag Abby Michaud. That's A B B Y M I C H E A U X. Hit us up. Hashtag Abby Michaud and let us know that you want to be down. You want to be at Amalgam Comics for the screening of Abby the Black Exorcist. And when I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, their words do not do this movie justice. <sighs> This movie is insane. It's it's <laughs> it's something. <laughs> yeah, it's it's something. It's something. All right. Um. It 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 has to be seen. Yes. It has to be seen, and it will be Friday, October twenty eighth, at Amalgam Comics. Abby, the Black Exorcist, the first live event. First live event. The Michelle Mission. Very nice. All right. All right. <laughs> Let's get into Ossie Davis, Ruby D. Uh, Alan Alda. Alan Alda. Wow. Wow. Godfrey Cambridge. Godfrey Cambridge. Sorrel Book. And Sorrel Book. That's right. Boss Hogg himself. Boss Hogg himself. It's 1963's Pearly Victorious. Now, whatever you do, don't panic. Whatever you do, don't panic. Just walk like I taught you to walk. And talk like I taught you to talk. Talk like I walked, Gigi. Duty Bell. Yes, Reverend Pearly. Wake up. Oh, my goodness, Reverend Pearly. Was I asleep? Alert. Alert. Wide awake. Wide awake. Up on your toes. Up on your toes. That's just a figure of speech. Now, one more time. And what might be your name, little gal? Beatrice Judson, sir. And what might be your daddy's name, little girl? Horace Judson, sir. And what they teach you up there in that there college, little girl? It was my major education, old Captain. You mean you majored in education? Well, now, ain't nothing wrong with Negroes getting the education, I always say. But then again, ain't nothing exactly right with it either. <laughs> uh, cousin B, now, you wouldn't mind if old Captain was to call you Cousin B, now, would you, honey? Oh, sir, I'd be delighted. Don't be delighted till he puts the money in your hand. Okay, so here we have Pearly Victorious. As, as Lynn mentioned, this is a 1963 film. It was also called uh, Gone Are the Days. So sometimes you yes. see it billed as Gone Are the Days. It's based, again, on Ozzie Davis's 1961 play of the same name pearly victorious and for many people and i include myself in this number it was adapted into its format that that a lot of people know more and that would be the musical pearly and that's pearly exclamation mark that came out in 1970 and many of your pearly fans may have seen the version from the um the 1981 version that yeah. was televised, mm -hmm. and that's the one with Melba Moore and Sherman Helmsley. And I know on the local PBS affiliate in Baltimore, they ran that thing like, you know, twice a year, two or three times a year, they would run it. 
Oh yeah, because that that'll bring in the um, bring in the donation. Oh yeah, yeah. And Pearly is the story of the the title character, uh, Reverend Pearly Victorious, played by a very young Ozzy Davis, and Ozzy Davis is from Cachete, um, Cachete County, named after Old Cap Cachete, who is basically the the white owner. Yes. Of this area, it's it's in rural Georgia. It's a small county in Georgia, and you know, old Cap Cachete owns the cotton fields, and he owns the commissary, and he basically owns. This is sort of a classic case of sharecropping, where if you don't know how sharecropping works, you it, it is basically a scam where the people who work the land always end up owing more money to the people that own the land right. than they can make off of the crops and it, it basically was it's basically how how slavery transitioned mm-hmm. for 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 mo- for um a lot of people so pearly is from this area he comes back with um with Ludabel played played by a young ruby d and he has come up with this plan that they are going to pass Ludabel off as his cousin who has a $500 inheritance and they're going to use this inheritance to buy a church and it's going to be the first integrated church besides Ozzy Davis Ruby D and the aforementioned Sorrel book who plays old cap you also have um Pearlie's brother Gitlo <laughs> played by Godfrey Cambridge you have Charlie uh Catchapee who is Old Cap's son, who is much more progressive than his father, and that is played by Alan Alda. And sidebar, I, I read about, even though Alan Alda plays plays um, Sorrel Book's son, right. Alan Alda is only six years younger than Sorrel Book. So you have that. Uh, you, you know, you also have um, Hilda Haynes, who plays Missy. And then, you know, you also have a very, you, you know, have, have an appearance by one of my favorite sort of character actors from this moment b richards who does b Richards? she plays um oh she plays um the uh like the cook i want to say isabel but that doesn't sound right it's like right in front of us it is it it was right in front of us that's about to say everything well we spent so much time talking about um (laughs) about everything else everything else everything went dark and i lost all of the (laughs) all of the cast all of the cast I saw the cast just uh Idella. Yeah, they Idella did. Landy. And it is, you know, it's a farce. It's a farce. It's a romp. Um tonally it's very light, which you know I want to talk about a little more like the lightness of tone. Um Ozzy did kind of you know, I know this is probably no great surprise. Ozzy Davis and Ruby D have amazing chemistry. You you know, I think Ozzy Davis one of the great I wonder why. Well, right. I think exactly. Who would think that these two married people have great chemistry? But you know, I was thinking about Ozzy Davis, and, and you know, just the things I've seen Ozzy Davis in, and you know, Ozzy Davis is one of those actors who is great at monologues, like just at talking. And you know, this is a film where Ozzy Davis talks and talks. And talks, you know, he's playing this preacher and they kind of play it tongue in cheek that, you know, he's very sort of verbose. But 
there it I I am I I can listen to Ozzy Davis talk forever. And I think the funny thing is that Ruby D, you can see on her face that she is someone who also likes to hear him talk. Okay. Um it's not a naturalistic film at all. Like I said, it is a farce, it is a romp. Um if you thought that Boss Hog, if you liked Boss Hog, but you felt like Boss Hog was a little too subtle for you, like if you wanted to see Boss Hog played up three more notches, mm-hmm. then Old Cap is the character for you because he really is almost this caricature of the old Southern gentleman. Like, you know, I think Colonel Sanders saw an early um an early print of this film and said, I think Old Cap needs to take it down a little bit. Like I think it's like um, Yosemite Sam and the Colonel Colonel Sanders saw this and said, "I don't know if he really represents us this well." And on the, <laughs> you know, and on the flip side, you have um, Godfrey Godfrey Cambridge as Gitlow, and Gitlow is is you know this sort of old timey caricature of a yes a boss Negro. Yeah. And, you know, although they, they, they sort of play off of that throughout the film, you, you know, I did find it sort of um, noteworthy that old Cap and Gitlow have this really kind of symbiotic relationship compared to the other characters in the play and, and how they kind of deal with each other. So, you know, I got a couple other things. I feel like I, we start with that. That's enough. Go ahead and start. Uh, yeah, Pearly Victorious, 1963. This was um it's interesting it's an interesting film. Uh you're right. First of all, when you say that Ossie Davis, who again, this is kind of like how I felt when we watched uh Uptight where Ruby D was in that movie as well. It's almost a little shock to the system to see Ossie Davis and Ruby D young. Mm-hmm. You know, because you're so used. To, I mean, and, and they've been old since I remember. Right, right. They've always been old. Right, right. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so it's it's really interesting to watch them young. It's real interesting to, to see Ruby D. There's a scene in here where she's kind of like just romping around in the field and jumping right. up and down off of off of a swing. And like Ruby D. is being young and playful and sassy and sexy. I'm like, that's that. It kind of felt weird. It kind of, that's kind of that's kind of weird because yeah. you know? Ruby D is drop dead gorgeous, She's a gorgeous woman, man. Yeah. But it's like watching your grandmother. Yeah, you know? yeah. So like, yeah, I felt a little weird about that. But uh, I see Davis. He is a brother that that loves his voice. <laughs> he does. He's a man that loves to hear himself talk. Um, and but it makes sense because this. While we are watching a movie, this is first and foremost was a play. Right. And because of that, a lot of there is a lot of expository dialogue in this movie, especially in kind of like the whole setup, the whole setup of what the story is, is told in like the first couple of scenes, you know, the explainer who uh, Little Bell is and what the scheme is and why they're doing this scheme. Right. Um, right. Because you've really got to introduce this whole scheme of playing her off as this cousin who you've never met. Right. And this cousin is like the the daughter of someone who died who you never met. Right. So, you know, you've got to get this whole history lesson through the dialogue as well. Typical of a lot of plays. Right. So it's it's 
not weird to hear that knowing that it's a play. It may be a little weird to hear that played out the way it is if this was just a straight ahead movie. Right. Um, but you're kind of let in on the trick that it's a play right from the top. I love, yeah. Which I loved. Yeah. I love the top in where you're, you're, you're first, you're transported into the future a little bit uh, at a funeral where, where you know something crazy has happened because as the coffin is being let in, the coffin is upright. the coffin is standing up at this funeral so you know like you know something there's a story here right and and it's at that moment that the camera takes a very cool upward angle as ozzy davis and godfrey cambridge break the fourth wall and invite you to hear the story of this upright coffin right at which point everyone in this church, this mock church, stands up and the walls of the church part. Right. As they walk into ostensibly what is the movie. Right. Um, back in time to, uh, a, 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 I guess, a few days before, you know, the proceedings, which is cool. It's cool from a theatric point of view. It's cool from just a movie making point of view, especially yeah. considering that this is 1963. Um, it's not unheard of even then for movies to break that fourth wall. It maybe is still it's maybe a little bit out of the norm for you to break the fourth wall and then part the other three at the same time. Right, right, you know, right. So that's pretty groundbreaking um, and very inventive. Yeah, uh, considering. Especially considering that the director of this movie, Nicholas Webster, his other claim to fame it would be the following year when he directs Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. Right. So a, a fine film. A fine film. But he obviously, you know, used all of his tricks <laughs> here on Pearly Victorious. So when that happens, even though I'm hearing, I'm definitely buying into the whole farce of it. Yes. Um, and I'm buying into the, okay, this is the play and the trappings of a movie, so I got to let go. Uh, and Ossie Davis is loving loving the sound of his voice, but it's a nice voice, so I'm checking it out. So I'm buying into all that. When all that happens, I'm along for that ride. Mm-hmm. I'm really am along for that ride. It's like, okay, all right, I like where we're going. We're going someplace different. We're going to try and be funky with this. All right, I'm with it. You know what I'm saying? Um, it's at that point though that the movie lets me down. Okay, because that energy that's right there in that opening is lost. Okay, because the rest of the movie is just almost straight stage. Um. Uh, 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 stage as if it is a play with a ca- with the camera sometimes locked in such a position that it's missing a lot of the action mm-hmm. that is that is happening off screen. Um, the scene where I talked about Ruby D and, and and the rest of the movie is is definitely shot on a sound stage, mm-hmm. which is fine. That that and which actually. I welcome because of that opening. Like, yo, we are in the sound stage. Let's see some more of that inventive playing around with the whole with the whole scenery. But you don't you don't do that. It's played in a sound on a sound stage to as 
in most movies to give the appearance that it actually is happening outside. Um, and you know that because once when you see the scene of Ruby D romping around on the, on the, on the uh, swing, like I told you, and I think maybe on maybe one or two other scenes, mm-hmm. it cuts to an outside scene that was obviously filmed outside. Right. Right. It's filmed like in, in some, some, uh, uh, um, some yard or something like that, or some, some park, you know, to get this outside feel, which is cool in, in and of itself. But with all of that groundbreaking uh, staging uh, and set, set decoration from the beginning and then in that whole sound stage to now try and, you know, actually cut to an outside scene when we already know that you're not outside. Right. It took me a little bit out it's of the movie. It's a little movement. jarring. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's like you're, you're, you don't know which way you want to go with with the with with the style in which you want to tell this story right and the story it's a very simple story it's told with a whole lot of stereotypes everybody's pretty much like a a caricature but they are caricature for a reason right to get over the overall message of this movie so i'm fine with that but that jarringness to the direction and to the cinematography was so much so that I just I I just wanted them to just stop and just do the play. Right. You know, which is why I think it's um not that the the play Pearly ultimately was the greatest greatest success. It actually wasn't that much of a, a success in its, in its original Broadway run mm-hmm. in the play as Ossie Davis wrote it it wasn't until it was rewritten it, it, as, as a the musical. musical right right that's when it really is taken on the legendary status that it has over the years um and you can you can see that because the other thing that the film that filming this does with such poor direction there's a lot of time where the dialogue you can tell by the rhythms of how everybody is is giving their lines it's supposed to be it's supposed to yeah. have a nice little rhythm yeah but that direction and the editing cuts that ribbon so that rhythm uh to pieces so that it's not there so you do have somebody with the with the tone of Ossie Davis who is who is just you know like going for it in yes. every one of his lines i mean he he's he's talking a, a lot of uh nothingness that is saying something if you listen in between the words. Right, right, right. But because you're not catching the rhythm, sometimes you're losing it. Yeah. And because of that also, I have the sense of the chemistry that you see between him and Ruby D. I honestly think that's because I've seen them so much together as opposed to what I'm seeing in this movie. Okay. I don't really see the chemistry in this movie. I see a lot of disjointedness in, the mo- in this movie. Honestly some of the, the best chemistry in the movie is like you just said, it's between the Kachi P character and Gitlo. Yes. You know, Godfrey Cambridge and Sorrel books because they do, they are allowed to come to develop like a little bit of a sing song. Right. Because when they are in scenes together, there's not a lot of cutting. There's not a lot of cutting to close ups. It's pretty much is a nice little uh, t- tight, two man shot on them so they are allowed to just give their dialogue in the rhythm uh that you would imagine they performed it at 
on the stage. Right. So I feel their um, chemistry much more so than Ossie Davis and Ruby D. And it's interesting. You mentioned about their characters. What their character brought to mind to me was the character that Leonardo DiCaprio and Samuel Jackson played in Django Unchained. Because sure, uh, uh, Samuel Jackson is kind of like the you know dark skinned Uncle Tom in that movie to Leonardo DiCaprio's you know slave owner. Right. Um, it maybe less so than Get Low because Get Low definitely was full of side eye in this movie um, to to great effect. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because um, I love myself some Godfrey Cambridge, so I, I was I was feeling that. Um, but it, it, the, their interactions kind of just reminded me of, of that, those two characters. Um, but ultimately because of that, I walked away n- not enjoying this movie as much as I wanted to. Right. Well, you want to see Pearly. Yeah. You want to see, wanna see Pearly. I, I, I agree. It's, it's funny. You, you kind of reference those two characters in Django. Cause I do think one of the thing I, I think there are some tone issues and, mm-hmm. and I think, you know, part of that has to do with kind of what you point out that you have these characters, this, this subgroup of characters that it's almost this heightened reality where it is this theatrical nature to their performances. Yeah. And the other characters don't, aren't on the same wavelength. Like I won't say they don't rise to the occasion, but they aren't like, like clearly pearly old cap and get low are doing something different than these other characters. The Ruby D. The Ruby D and Alan Alda. And I think that's part of the reason why ultimately Pearly is more of a successful interpretation of this story than Pearly Victorious because now you have the whole cast. At that level. And and, and they're all singing and they're all performing Mm -hmm. and there's all of of this. But I I think part of, of the reason that those three characters in particular are are acting like this. It's like there's this really cool subtext to the film kind of talking about the artifice of kind of the mythology of the South. If That's, you true. That's true. And, you know, I thought that, you know, one of the things I liked about Django was that, you know, both of those characters, Samuel Jackson and um, Leonardo DiCaprio, DiCaprio's character, were put like that was that was their guys yeah when they were in public mm-hmm. and then when they were private they had a whole different relationship True. and and you know i think you know to go back to pearly victorious i trust ozzy davis enough that i know ozzy davis was trying to speak to that no and, he was so and sorry. you know and, and there are so many lines in the play like like there's this wonderful line where Ruby D's character, you know, where where Ruby where, where uh, Ludabelle figures out that she's going to have to pretend to be this other woman, and it never dawned on her that she'd have to pretend in front of white people. Mm-hmm. And Pearlie says, "What are you talking about? Some of the best acting that black people do, yeah, is in front of white people, yeah." And there's all of this, all of this uh, about how black people put on this mask you, you know mm-hmm. um you know put on this mask and you know kind of in front of white people and i like that now how well does that come across like we said i don't know if it comes across that well but it's there it is and and there's a great line in this, in this movie i think it's um hilda haynes 
says it uh being colored can be real fun when nobody's, when nobody's looking how awesome is that yeah, line? that's a great line because she's talking about all the different things that she likes about being black and yeah yeah I, I actually wrote that down too but um speaking of that and speaking of of sort of the mythology of the um of the south there was something that i was sort of dealing with and and saying you, you know like like i was challenging myself and I said, you know, if a white person had written this, would I have gotten angry about its depiction of things? Because it's sort of like it's the Hogan's Heroes thing. Yeah. Where like Hogan's is. Heroes is. is like this comedy set in a Nazi POW camp. Yeah. And you've got these madcap Nazis. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I remember there was a little pushback with even Raiders of the Lost Ark, where Steven Spielberg had them as sort of cartoon villains Mm -hmm. and you know and the the sentiment was this is nothing to be played this is nothing to be played with and and certainly you you know if if you've listened you know one of my things is sort of the depiction of the south and in these sort of relationships between these you know benign white people in these special relationships you know talked about dry miss daisy and all of that and there is an element of this film that sort of you know you have the 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 two basically overseers mm-hmm. on the um farm and they're kind of played as buffoons yeah and you you know there's that part at the end where you know old cap is basically being frisky and i think that's the word that they use he's frisky and right. he's old tom cat mm-hmm. with um Ludabelle. Mm-hmm. and you know these are real these are real issues that women had to deal with you know issues of sexual assault you know the whole thing where he beat um pearly 20 years ago before he left and i don't know like ultimately what i came up with was i don't know like like i i kind of love this film just as a film i think all of the critiques we've had so far i i you know i really did like when it went off i really was like I kind of want to see Pearly now. Like I wanted to hear Sherman Helmsley sing his more than one way to skin a cat and you know, everything, but it kind of left a weird taste in my mouth. Seeing this, this setting Mm -hmm. played for laughs. And I don't like, I don't really have anything more to say than that. I just wanted to say that. And again, I kind of give it a pass. I gave it a pass and I give it a pass because Ozzie Davis wrote it. Yeah, Ozzie Davis actually wrote um, that the choice of humor was a realistic portrayal of the African-American experience. We told jokes, but we weren't telling jokes for the sake of getting off fast quips and gags. That stream of humor of humor had to carry our sense of self. So he was he was very, um, very cognizant of, you know, what he was doing right in that movie and and i felt that i i felt that you know through the whole satire of it that it was about showing him getting over in a way or trying to get over in a way right over old massa you know right um so i i appreciated that and I, and I certainly appreciated that and you know again it's one of those things that in 1963 um, it's to be commended that it was made into a movie and yeah, put out yeah. there, you know, for public consumption. You know, no matter how it may have been received, I think over o- overall it wasn't 
uh, it wasn't a, a success. The movie was not a success. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's, 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 it's even with everything we said, I think that's a tough yeah, it's a tough sell, sell for a white audience in 1963. It's a tough sell for uh, for a white audience in 1963. It is also just because of those same same uh, reasons. You know, it's one thing to look at this from you know 2016 eyes. Right, you're in the midst of 1963. Yeah, yeah. I, I can see maybe being a little troubled yourself about watching these things. It's sometimes it's one, it's one thing to see something performed out on stage. As opposed, but having it being big on a big screen, because you right. got to imagine the movies were, you know, movies are by their nature and how they were depicted or meant to be depicted are larger than life. Right. So having something depicted coming out at you on this big screen, seeing the, seeing these type of characters, um, some people, I could see people being like, I don't know if now's the time for it and not necessarily even giving it the attention that it requires to hear the satire in the words. It's another thing when you're going, when you're talking about a play, because in a play, a lot of times you're you're going to the theater, especially back then with the idea that you're going for a more heightened sense of entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. As opposed to movies, which is certainly considered then a lot more disposable. Yeah. You know, and it is a lot. Right. I mean, not for nothing. This is four years before in the heat of the night. Exactly. Sidney Poitier slapped a white man. My father said he didn't see that scene until like six years after the movie came out because he first saw it in Mobile, Alabama. And they, oh, and, and they cut and they, that out. And they edited that scene out. So when he moved up north mm-hmm. and saw he didn't even know that that scene existed that's another thing i was so, just thinking about this movie pro- this movie was probably just uh um like they didn't show this down south right this right this, this did not right. play below the mason dixon right High. right 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 it's you the know? infamous southern distributors <laughs> yeah how about that yeah. um it, it, yeah it, like, ultimately like i say it's it's a it's a weird it's a weird movie um it's in many ways Probably even more dated than the play because the play, because the, the even the musical is a little dated if you watched it now. I think it, you could it could still get over right because of the music. Like like it music. really is it, it, like the musical is even more of a farce than this is. Yeah, it, yeah. Because like you say, all like the characters all are, of the characters yeah, are, you know yeah. playing it very big. It was kind of cool though to see. I have to admit to see like a young Alan Alda. I kind of, I, I, <laughs> okay. I, I'm, I'm a fan of Alan Alda. Okay. I've, I've long yeah. been a fan of him, um, and it was really cool to see. Like, I saw like little bits of Hawkeye, right, some right, of the right. things that he was doing. Um, plus, you look, like, if you see him in, if you first come across him in uh, Mash, he's kind of like tall and lean. Here, he's still got a little bit of baby fat on him. Right, you right, know, he's right. He's a little doughy. Right, right. In this movie, um, but it, it, it still is it. It was really cool. I mean, it's it's an interesting piece. It's just, um, and in and of itself, I I I would have loved the experimentation that they were doing for them to just right to go just for job. I say lean into that. Just lean and into sort, that, and, right? And I think it, you would have had a lot more interesting and captivating of a film. Um, but and and but because of that i don't know whether or not i would say like you know you need to hear this because even even the writers of pearly 
mm-hmm. uh, the the writers of the musical, Peter Udell and Philip Rose. They kept so much of Ossie Davis' original script yes. in their rewriting that they gave him a shared credit. Right, right. And and you you can actually hear yeah. quotes from the film that are directly transferred, transferred over into, into, the, into, into the, Pearly. So, you know, for, because of that, honestly, I don't think you need to see Pearly Victorious. Yeah, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I think you can cut two and go to Pearly. I, 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 I agree with you. Yeah. I think, um, I'm kind of fascinated by young Ozzy Davis because, like mm-hmm. you said, like when I think of Ozzy, I mean, quite honestly, I always default to Ozzy Davis in Spike Lee films. Frankly, like, like I think my my That's my real what him a, a, to a lot of people right in, in, in yeah, in our, right. Yeah, like my yeah. real connection to him is in you know school days, and you know, do you want me to lose my job? You, you mm-hmm, know, in, in mm-hmm. Jungle Fever, and um, that's actually my wife's favorite role of his. Like, that's that that monologue he has in, in Jungle Fever is my wife's favorite Ozzy Davis. Really? Yeah. Um, so it's nice seeing young Ozzy Davis. Yeah. Um, powerful. Barrel Young, powerful, and, and sort of to reference a conversation we had a couple of weeks ago about how there's only room for one black leading man yeah. Like we were talking about um, Denzel Washington and all those mm-hmm. a- actors mm-hmm. around him at that moment. Like, I like watching Ozzie Davis knowing that Sidney Portier is hitting his stride. Yeah. And just kind of comparing and contrasting the way that these two men perform, their physicality. Because like you said, Ozzie Davis is a big dude. Mm-hmm. And he comes across mm-hmm. as a big... So I can see how, you know... That didn't necessarily transfer as well. Like, like I don't know if Ozzie Davis could have been in Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. He could have played the father. Oh no, I meant as as but Sidney, no, as Sidney Poitier's not character. Not Sidney Poitier, right? Role. You know, I don't know how much no. Ozzie Davis is a patch of blue teaching blind white girls no about juices and things. So no. Th- that being said, I wouldn't have mind seeing Ozzie Davis in um, what the Defiant Ones with Tony Curtis. Yeah. I wouldn't yeah, mind seeing him in yeah, that. Or, but he would have been dragging Tony all over the place. Or 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 in poor game best. Wow. So so anyway, I, I'm kind of fascinated by that. And then, you know, as we so, sort of mentioned earlier, it's it's like when I think of young Ruby D back to Sidney Portier, I really only have the image from um A Raisin in the Sun. Right. Like that's my picture of young Ruby D. And then, yeah. you know, she was in Uptight, mm-hmm. which ma- which, which kind of made me think of this. Mm-hmm. So, you know, seeing her kind of and and speaking of performances and comparing and contrasting it to Pearly. Melba Moore is so wonderful in Pearly and so over the top playing Ludabelle that. I think Ruby D kind of pales in comparison to Melba Moore, which is probably the only time anybody's ever going to say that. So everybody sort of write that down and underline yeah. it Be- because, you know, sort of Ruby D playing this naive kind of, I don't know what's going on. You know, this character, mm-hmm. there's just this sophistication that comes off of Ruby D that doesn't read that as it, true to it, this it character. doesn't like like i had a hard that's time true. buying it that's true even at you know at this moment you know where she's so young mm-hmm. it's um it's kind of like the the critiques or or the the critiques before she actually played 
the character that people were saying about Diane Carroll playing Claudine. Yes. Like, I feel like they should have gone back in Tom and applied those critiques to Ruby D playing Ludabelle. Yeah. Like, you know, and again, Melba Moore is is fantastic as his character. So maybe one of the best things Melba Moore, that's probably like, that's her career making thing right there. I would say. Oh boy, we are digging now. Did Melba Moore act in anything? I think she did some, like she did some TV. Well, remember she had the variety show with, yeah. um, what's his name? What's his name from That's My Mama? Oh, wow. And Amen. Uh, Cleavon Little. No, not Cleavon Little. Not Isn't it Cleavon Little? It's Clif- Clifton Davis. Clifton Davis. Clifton Davis. Clifton Davis. Remember she and Clifton Davis had a variety show. Yeah, Clifton Davis. Oh, man. The 70s were strange. Um, but yeah, I don't, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know if I'd push anybody to watch this. I, no, I think, um, I you, you know, frankly, I, I pulled it off the shelf cause I was thinking about Pearly. There you go. I was thinking about Pearly. It's like, oh, let's watch Pearly Victorious. And you pushed me to watch it. I did. And we I, won't do it to you, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> you don't have to go check it out. We watched it for you. Well, you know, again, not that it's a bad movie. And, if you want right, to check right, it out right. and, and, and again, please, please do. I think anything with Ozzy Davis and Ruby D in it is sort of by default is something that you should keep you're right worth having on your show just the fact that you know them together i, th- I think um watch this and then watch do the right thing there you so go. like you see him early you see him later there you together go. There you and kind of see that chemistry all right ladies um, and gentlemen that's gonna do it yeah that's gonna do it for this episode of the show mission as always you can hit us up um at Michelle Mission at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at The Michelle Mission. Go ahead and like us. And please follow us at Mission Michelle on Twitter. Uh, next week, we will be back with another stop on this lovely, lovely journey, The Michelle Mission, which you can find each and every episode on MichelleMission.com as well as on the Black Tribbles podcast network. And yo, it's it, it's coming. It's coming, ladies and gentlemen. Some of you people here in Philadelphia, you've kind of like maybe caught wind that the show mission is actually now on FM radio. It is. It is playing on FM radio. We just are not announcing it right now because the, the set time hasn't been set. So once the schedule is set and we can say that, yo, you can tune in to... to this station at this time to listen to the Michelle Mission. Yes, we will blast it out there right. for you. Right now, we're like Brigadoon. We're Brigadoon. We just kind of appear every now and then. That's pretty or, much, that is what or, it is. Or, or, or here you go. You, you ready, Lynn? You ready, Lynn? Or we're like Marzal, which is the city of black people that Tyrock <laughs> in the Legion of Superheroes is from. Ah, you like that, Paul? I like that. You like that. I like that. Tyrock was from the, 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 the city of black people. <laughs> right. He had the 1970s superpower of yelling. <laughs> Tyrock. It's only a coincidence that sounds like Tyrone. <laughs> he had a big afro and a white unitard open down to his belly button. And he had the superpower of yelling. And he was from the island of black people. This is all true, by the way. Very like, true. Like, I'm not making this up. Go check your 1970s Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes. Tyrock. So we're like Brigadoon right now or Marzal. Take your pick. <laughs> but um, but uh, that's on radio. <laughs> on podcasting, we'll be right here next week 
on the Michelle Mission. My name is Len. His name is Vince. And party we say. We'll see you when it's time to meet again. to better do it's been a pleasure knowing you i'll see you when it's time to meet again